Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the Product in LA podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Cole, and this is an opportunity to shine the spotlight on some of the exceptional technology leaders we have as part of the LA community in an unedited, one-take organic conversation. I'm excited to speak with Sarah Grifferty today. Thanks for coming down in the studio, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you here. Uh, but first, a word from our sponsors. Product in LA is brought to you by Uruit. Do you need help completing your roadmap items? Uruit is a digital product development agency with over 15 years of experience helping companies build web and mobile apps by embedding directly into their Scrum teams. Uruit's expert full-stack software developers provide quality code to help you get the job done. If you need React or Angular front-end devs, or perhaps help with Node.js, .NET, or Python development, DevOps, or even product or design to help solidify requirements, they're ready to help you close out roadmap items and actually release to customers. Learn more at uruit.com. That's U-R-U-I-T.com. We're also brought to you by the Product Managers Association Los Angeles, available at pma.la. They are the largest professional organization for product and designers in LA. With more than 3,000 members from over 500 companies, they host monthly meetups, organize the Product Leader Council, where CPOs and heads of product connect in small six to eight member pods, and have a mentorship program where they connect working product managers with students from underrepresented groups to build a better, more diverse next gen. To learn more about PMA, go to pma.la. To learn more about the mentorship program, go to pma.la slash mentorship. Our guest today is Sarah Grifferty. She is the CEO and founder of Loose Ends. Her past roles have included a senior investment research associate for private equity and venture capital data analytics at Cambridge and Associates, Cambridge Associates. And one interesting fact you might learn from her by going to her LinkedIn page uh, is she just came off the stage for a LA Tech Week event dedicated to death tech. Uh, thank you for for joining us uh, fresh off of uh, performing uh, or performing. We're speaking at LA Tech Week and uh, dedicated to death tech. I believe it was the only event dedicated to it. Yes, it is. <laughs> this year and uh, last year too. So first first and only event. All right. Hopefully yeah. hopefully one of, of many to come, uh, which I guess is a little weird given that it's death tech. Uh, but I guess uh, is, we, could, but... we could get into that in a, a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I'd love to learn about your journey into technology. Did you expect to find yourself in tech or in or in the death tech field? How did you get here? Definitely did not expect it. No. Okay. Um, I would say, uh, it, it's been both a long and a short road to get here. Um, but it really started probably about, I guess, 12 years ago. Now, um, I lost my dad when I was 19. Okay. And, uh, you know, after that was kind of catapulted into everything with the state administration and understanding what happens after someone dies, I'm not going to um, ask your age, but you're you're not you're not you're not old. So no, like, no, you I must was, have been young when that happened. Yes, I was 19 years old Ooh. when he died. Wow. Um, and then at the same time, my mom was diagnosed with two forms of cancer. Lucky, lucky double. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, she also died. Um, and that was about three and a half years after my dad. Um, so after her death. I was fully catapulted. If I got the mini catapult before, I guess. Okay. Um, with her, it was full and and became an executor of her estate. 
um, and really an executor of a state. Can you just describe what, what the responsibilities are? Who is that? And what do, what do they do? Yeah. So executor is going to be named by, well, hopefully named by someone in advance. So my mom named my older brother and I as co-executors on her estate Okay. so that when she died, we would essentially be the run, the ones to do all of the legal, financial, logistical pieces. Um, so, you know, a lot of people you'll designate an executor. You might also have a different person that could be, um, you know, maybe in charge of dependents, um, and legally care for your dependents. Okay. Um, so there's, there's a couple different roles, but we were executors. Wow. And so being thrust into that responsibility, I mean, at a young age, I know when, when I was in my early twenties, uh, you know, things that weren't even on my radar were, you know, estate management. Um, how did that impact, you know, where you, you found yourself going, I guess, looking back now, like how did that impact you in terms of, you know, the, the journey from the career path? I imagine there's quite a, quite a huge emotional journey that was involved as well in, in that situation, but, um, how, how, how did that impact you across the board? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, while I was going through it, I was not at all thinking about starting business. Okay. So, um, kudos, I guess, maybe to anyone who can do that. Um, I would not have had, I don't think the mental or the emotional bandwidth to even think about, uh, putting myself into another terrifying situation, you know, being in that situation was terrifying enough. Yeah. Um, but I think it was, you know, in the, once you're kind of out of the epicenter, right. Maybe the first year, um, maybe the first 15 months is, can be pretty heavy as far as all the things that you have to do after someone dies, whether it's their accounts or managing and figuring out property. Um, of course, like early on funeral arrangements and that sort of thing. But I would say it was a few years after um, I was just thinking, well, could I be a, an entrepreneur? Could I be a founder? Mm. Is there something that I've been through that has been so, so challenging and so uh, eye opening? And there was no other, there was nothing else in my head at this time. It was just, why has this been so challenging? And for years, you know, for years uh, for my family, it was difficult. So for me, it was about going through it and being deeply in it while I was in it and then coming out of it and looking back and thinking, well, what the heck? This is terrible. <laughs> and there's not, there are no solutions. And what, what aspects of it were you finding to be so terrible? You know, I think. And is, yeah. I mean, imagine there's a minute, there's a million yeah. things that were terrible throughout that process. Like what, what was the trigger that you're saying? Hey, this specific thing is terrible. I think for, for me, it was, you know, there's a lot of things that you know are going to happen that are going to come after someone dies. You know, there's probably a funeral and that's probably going to be tough. You know that there are legal things you have to do that might be challenging. Okay. I think for, for me, what stayed with me the longest were all of these like smaller things that seemed so inconsequential, but were so challenging to do. So for instance, I did not know that calling, um, Hawaiian airlines on the phone to try to cancel a flight ticket would be something that would 
bring me to my knees. Um, and it did. It was so challenging. And I think it was those things in particular, those smaller things that we had to do um, that were just so unnecessarily difficult that were the most pronounced in my head. Oh, interesting. So it's like when you're walking into it, you know, you're, you're already like a, a pretty rough space because you've just lost your loved ones. And there's a couple big pillars that you like, okay, you know, I see things in my future. We have a house. All right. I guess it's on me now to figure out how to, how to close that. And I guess put a pin in that. Like, I mean, uh, how do you even know how to do these things? Uh, it sounds like that's going to be a challenge in itself. Uh, if you're kind of, in the wilderness and you're, this is the first time you're doing these things, you know, especially if you're young, that's, that's a huge challenge. Uh, but then on top of it, it's the, you're saying the smaller thing. So mm. this, uh, this trip to Hawaii, imagine it was booked, it was pre-booked and you had to go about, you know, canceling cause they're no, they're no longer able to take that trip. Yep. Oh. And I think that's the case, you know, for so many people, no matter you know, death, I think, is largely unexpected, even when we expect it. Um, it's still timing-wise unknown. Um, so you're always going to have things like that, travel plans that were put in motion or, um, you know, b things that you've booked and paid for that you have to now kind of figure out. So it was all of those, I think, smaller things. Um, you know, we had one issue with insurance being commingled and my driver's license, I think got suspended. Um, so <laughs> there were so many things just like that, that nothing is going to prepare you for and nothing. Uh, it was so hard, I think, to just keep uh, encountering those small things along the way. So your, your license got suspended? Yes. In New, New York state. Yeah. So did you have to get around by Uber to? I, <laughs> I at that time had lived in another state, but my New York license was still active. And because of some commingled car insurance issues and canceling one and, um, and then selling a car and it all got messed up. And I think still currently my license is probably suspended in New York state. Wow. Stay out, stay out of New York. Uh huh. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you find yourself, you know, at these challenges uh, that you didn't expect. Um, and then where, where does journey, you know, with tech go from there? Yeah, I think it was really just that at the time, and this would have been in, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was Googling, I was Googling what to do and how to do it and, and all of this. And there just weren't very many solutions. And I think for me, it made very little sense because there was so much of our lives even then, you know, that was tech enabled, um, supported by technology or made easier or just more convenient at, at the very least, um, a repository of information. And that just did not exist at that time. There were companies, you know, we, we know now that were starting then and, mm. and were really early, but I think, at, at large, there was still, you know, you go to a probate attorney and then maybe talk to an accountant and that's what you do. Um, there was very little innovation and it just seemed silly because it was something that was largely being led by 
me and and my brothers we were in the driver's seat so to speak as far as what needed to happen and that felt unsettling (laughs) um we wanted i think more answers and it just seemed like there were so many opportunities to bring the whole industry forward into just the 21st century as far as um you know being able to communicate across different accounts and and being able to close things easier and access information but mm. just didn't exist then and and that for me was i think the big point where i thought i maybe i'll just make something what's the uh what's the space look like death death tech is that, is that even the right term for it definitely um i think there's a few floating around so you know if we think about sort of uh the whole age tech market can sometimes overlap with end of life um, and what that looks like. But yeah, I think death tech is the right term for it. And how, how big is the space is trying to, trying to get a sense, especially for folks who are listening, who, who may not have ever thought of death tech have never heard of the word death tech could give a sense of, you know, maybe the, the, the opportunity size, if, if that's even the right word to be using here, yeah. uh, in, in this, in this like space of, of death and mourning. Um, but you know, what, what's it look like, uh, in the death tech world? Yeah, it's, there are different ways that you can look at it. So I, you know, one number that we can consider is the revenues generated in the death care services market um is 68 billion dollars and that was 68 billion billion yes okay and that is just for funerals cremation burials um cemeteries that sort of thing um so when we think about death of course you know the funeral takes place so so relatively soon after a loss right and then there is you know, still so, so much that you're doing with the estate administration process. So that is just really a small fraction of the whole process that you might encounter after. Um, And there's not great numbers for that after, after loss service. And, and at the, the death tech panel for LA tech week, it came up, um, correct me if the numbers are off here, but it's, the average person spends 570 hours mm-hmm. um, completing an estate. So this is, uh, I believe it was, that's on average over the span of 16 months. So if you're, if you lose someone, you're an executive of, of their will. You have these obligations that come on top of your everyday life, whatever, whatever it is at that time, uh, and so you're doing that for 570 hours and for the next 16 months of your life while you're in the grieving process before you're not even emotional closure. It's like literally just like logistical closure. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's probably front loaded. So the first three months will be a lot of the hours, you know, the first six months, the most of them, let's say, but then these things continue to carry, you know, for, for months and and often for years um, that there are still things left to, to do and to manage, but it is a lot of time devoted to that 
you know, a state administration process. Um, and with that, there's so many people need support throughout it. And I guess today, you know, what's the current state? Like, where, where are they getting this support? Like, what are, you, are folks still bushwhacking it through the, the process? Like, it sounds like, you know, you and your yeah. brother were forced to do just Googling your way through. Yeah. I don't even know what you would Google, like, like what to do when someone dies. Like, <laughs> yes, that is exactly it's a challenging topic. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to make. It's hard to make a light of it. You, there's the guilt of talking about death tech. Uh, but yeah. Like, yeah. So what, what, is, what are those folks? What are they doing? I mean, I think people are turning to Google. I, we, we definitely know that. I think all of the traditional channels continue to stand. So people work with an estate attorney or a probate attorney. Okay. Um, and then they kind of go from there, uh, you know, where they can't uh, or don't have specific answers. People are left Googling or asking friends and family. This is not an area where there is, uh, you know, there's so much more now online than even when I was looking and, and Googling those exact same things. Um, there's more, I think, how to's and articles and information for how to go through things. Um, but it's a, a collection it's not like there's just a one stop shop for everything that you need yeah it's not like there's not like a not the not for like no. for wedding like the not is a, a a site where many people use to help organize their weddings and get ideas for their weddings and i believe there's services that you can use based off of it uh yeah but there's not there's not a not for it's not just a, we're not just talking the funeral, and it sounds like the funeral is its own challenge. But that does seem like it's a fleeting moment. But this is the 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 marathon, I guess, of mm -hmm. closing accounts. Yeah. Um, I guess what what is it what does it look like to try to close an account too? So, and I know how easy it is to open an account. I feel like I get requests every day almost even time i open up one of my financial accounting uh, apps uh, it gives me like a one or two click way to open my new account mm -hmm. what does it look like on the on the other side of that especially when it's not you closing the account so when you're trying to close someone else's account i imagine that's one of the that's one of the pain points that's in this technology age when we're going paperless and where it's not like you enter the house after after death and you kind of just find the filing cabinet like oh here's all the accounts information uh it seems like it's a challenge today and as we go com continue to walk down this more and more green paperless path mm -hmm. it feels like it may present more challenges is is that how does that how does that fit with what you're seeing and what you what you what you see in the near future for 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 this area yeah i mean it it absolutely creates challenges right like we have this technology that makes things easier in life but often makes it harder in death okay. um so just to go through kind of like the overview i suppose of the process it's really companies, you know, we have all these accounts, right, in our life, uh, five financial accounts, three credit cards, 
five utility accounts, um, on average, 150 online accounts, you know, kind of mishmash of different things. Right. But really all these companies that you go to where you hold these accounts, they need three things. They need to authenticate that the death has happened okay. and that you are the right person to talk to. So you as executor can make these decisions and, and handle this account. Okay. So that's the first is authenticate. Then they need to just assess what is your account that you're coming to close or transfer or change in some way. What is that account? What is the status of it? Is there anything else? And then they just, they need to take action. So they either work with you to transfer funds or remove uh, a name off of an account, um, any number of things. And it's really those three things that is consistent across the board, no matter where you're going to close an account. But if you're doing that process, you know, right now from the kind of individual end, you're taking a paper death certificate. Um, you are notifying, let's say, a bank. A paper, a paper death certificate. Yes, a paper death certificate um, that you have to pay $20 for. Um, you know, it'll vary by, by county, but I think the kind of average rate in California is $20. And you know, we tell people now you need 15 to 20 of those um, because every account you need them for critical, let's call it critical accounts. So almost every bank account will want an original copy. Okay. That's the one that has the, the seal. And there's, if you photocopy it, it'll have a watermark on it. So people know that it's a copy. Okay. Um, so you need an original copy and those are the ones that cost $20. Um, but when you go, you'll, you know, come in hand with your paper death certificate. Maybe you'll go to the physical branch or you'll call their executor services on the phone. You'll say, uh, death has happened. I would like to take this said action on man on this account. Um, this is the information I have, you know, what do you need from me? And then they will initiate for most financial institutions, like a, a case number and then work with you until you get it closed. Um, but, but it really varies across the board, which is why it's such a confusing and, I mean, extremely time-consuming thing to have to do. Not only are you, in, in almost all cases, calling these companies and waiting on hold, but you have to input all the same information again. Oh, no. You have to, yeah, if they have their own form online, you're inputting your information there again, you're it's just an extremely repetitive process and it's time consuming and frustrating for anyone who's doing it. Uh, that reminds me of a conversation I just had with Thor Clark on, on the last episode where we were talking about health tech and having to go to doctor's offices where you are, you know, still handed today a clipboard with mm -hmm. pieces of paper where you fill out basically the same information every single time, every person you go to, um, and that's rough enough, but it's for you going to see a doctor or going to go to a doctor for a kid or one you know an elder. Uh, I can't imagine sitting there and needing to fill out the same form over and over again to close out an account when you're already you know grieving and mourning a person to have these additional menial tasks yeah and you're confronted every you know deceased name <laughs> that's how it's uh, always listed 
that you it's like punching it, you in the face every single time. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely feel like the people or the person that you've lost is just reduced to uh, a bunch of paperwork. It, it feels uh. like you have no capacity or time to think about them in a different way. They're just deceased on this form, oh. um, which is awful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that that makes sense that, you know, as a person, you know, who's trying to figure out, you know, what what they should be, what challenges they see around them, having, having been faced as with it as you have it. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things you probably weren't, weren't as a little girl growing up thinking, like, oh, I want to get into death tech. Never. Uh, but it does, it, it makes so much sense. And it sounds like it's still, still a, a relatively new opportunity. So, you know, yeah. talking to me about like it, death tech, it doesn't come up as often as fintech or health tech. Yeah. Um, do you have a sense of, of why you think that is? And do you think things will change in the near future? Yeah, I think more people are talking about it. It's still not, like you said, it's not going to be as big as fintech or some of these other things, but I think it, the tides are moving towards people being interested in it, um, which is kind of where you have to start. But I think at the kind of at a broader level, um, we're coming into, uh, you know, particularly in the U.S., such a time where we're going to need to confront it even more than we do now. Mm. So we have a super ager, aging society in the U.S. Uh, deaths are set to surpass births by 2043. Okay. Um, we also have, you know, with those that increase in, in death, we have a huge uh, asset transfer that's coming, really an asset kind of wave that's coming down. With sixteen trillion, I think in the next decade, sixteen trillion, sixteen trillion. Expect yes, exactly. Expected wow. to pass hands in the next decade, um, and another sixty-eight trillion in the decade following that. So a huge, wow. huge asset transfer happening, and you know it's a extremely antiquated industry. Like we just talked about, there's paper death certificates. You're calling on the phone to handle things. Mm. You're dealing with uh, local funeral homes. You don't have a lot of, uh, or there's more options now, but you know, you most people still see there's kind of one avenue. Um, so where we're headed is just we're going to be confronting death more at across, I guess, the whole societal level. And there's all of this money changing hands, um, and people need help with it. People need help transferring and actually going through the processes to, you know, obtain that, that inheritance. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think that, I think we've talked about this as a society for a long time about the boomers and how, um, you know, when they pass, it's, it's a large number of them. That's why they're called the baby boomers. Right. So this idea that, um, it's something that maybe hasn't hit us yet, but there there is like a wave or a tsunami coming of challenges for uh, the Gen X, you know, millennials, Gen Z folks who who are now in a place where they will be put in the driver's seat. They will be forced to navigate these waters they've never faced before. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so, you know, thank you for, for being in this space and for trying to, to help, don't even say they, the, us, me, mm -hmm. we, you know, everyone, right? So yeah. it's, gonna, it's going to come to me as well as there's, you know, everything, there's uh, no, no certainties of life, but death and taxes, right? So yeah. Um, thank you for, for being a part of this space and, and for doing it in, in the LA ecosystem, um, bring grounding this back into LA, mm -hmm. um, what is the, the most LA thing that's, uh, that's happened to you? And I guess it's a, it is a challenging transition. And I think that comes with that tech, the, the guilt, uh, and of talking about these opportunities that are very much immersed in in mourning and grief um i guess first of all how do you how do you handle that how do you handle the 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 ability to juggle both um excitement for a business that you're building in a technology that is surrounded by you know some taboo but also uh grief and mourning and death yeah i think so I heard maybe this was on a TED talk years ago, but you know, you don't necessarily have to have passion for an idea. I think that gets uh, hit really hard with entrepreneurs. You have to be passionate. And if you don't have your passion, you'll never make it. You mm. can never create a company. Um, it's pretty hard to be passionate about death. Um, yeah. And, and when you say that you might get some, some interesting looks, uh, but I have found that I am endlessly frustrated, uh, borderline angry, um, and curious. I mm. think it's just continues to baffle me, um, with every person I talk to that's been through it, thinking back on my own experiences, uh, talking to somebody who's going through it now, it, it, every time I just feel overwhelmed by how, uh, antiquated the whole system is and how much people need and want for a solution. And that is really what keeps me in, in the whole thing. It's not, mm. it would be too glib to say that I was just passionate about this and I, I wanted something, but I, I know that there has to be a solution. And yeah. I, I think for me, it's just taking my best shot at it. Wow. And in and, and the personal experience, having been there, having lived through it yourself, uh, I imagine that that that's helpful and motivation for you uh, to get through it. Um, yeah. Well, well, thank you, thank you for sharing that. Uh, and I guess transitioning <laughs> to uh, to something lighter, transitioning to uh, you know product in LA. Uh, <laughs> you know, what's the most what's the most LA thing that's uh, that's happened to you? <laughs> so this was, uh, I guess, before I officially lived here. Okay. Uh, I was visiting uh, my brothers here who lived in LA and um, we walked into a coffee shop and there was Jerry Seinfeld oh, wow. filming uh, comedians in cars getting coffee in the wow. coffee shop that we were in. Um, so that was probably that's <laughs> awesome the most LA thing. Yeah. You, you, you just happened to be in town. Just happened to walk in. Yep. I love that show. Uh, <laughs> That's great. I've always wondered like what happens. Yeah. If, are, you, are you just one of those folks in the background here? Yep. Like, that was me. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great one. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much, uh, Sarah, for, for sharing your story, uh, sharing, you know, yeah, not your passion, but yeah. what, what you've been working on and then, and the, and understanding the value in 
fixing a space that that is technologically broken and still is right now. Um, yeah. Um, again, what's what's the company one more time? Uh, it's Loose Ends. Loose Ends. Okay. So if you want to learn learn more about Sarah and Loose Ends, what she's working on, uh, go go find her. Go look her up. But thank you again for for being here, Sarah. Uh, also like to thank our sponsors. It's the Product Managers Association Los Angeles, available at PMA.LA, as well as Uruit, available at URUIT.com. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for listening. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please uh, hit the subscribe button. Uh, it helps with reach and, and getting other folks to, to learn more about product in LA. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Product in LA. Mm-hmm.